And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. But as we sometimes do, we talk about other things, and that's the cool thing about my guest today is not only is she very talented in the social media world, she has a lot of great things that she is involved in and has been involved in in the past, so I'm sure that we're going to talk about so many Many things. So please join me in welcoming Stacy Blanchett to the program today. Thank you, Deb, for having me. Great. Well, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Stacy Blanchett is a businesswoman who specializes in public relations and brand development. She started Your Own Girl Friday in 2005 and has been adding to her skill sets ever since then. In 2010, she started Blanchette Designs as a small custom design house in San Diego, and within one year, she was at the Emmys, the Oscars, and the Grammys. She has put the design business on hold and went into producing movies and to become a senior editor of Trend Privé magazine. The magazine was her first cover in 2012. During the past five years, Stacy has published a small ebook, produced three documentaries, which has won two awards, and was shown in five film festivals. Festivals, sorry about that. She is launching a web series called In the Know for Trent Privé in the fall, where Stacy is hosting the show by interviewing celebrities and business professionals on their processes to the roads of success. <coughs> Excuse me. It is slated to hit the film festival circuit in early 2017. So again, Stacy, welcome. Thank you. How are you? Oh, doing just fabulous. You know, we're hitting all points here. I'm in Atlanta. You're in San Diego. And of course, the station is in Denver. So, you know, makes it so much fun. That's, that's the fun of internet radio is we can be everywhere or anywhere. <laughs> we're all a global nation now. We are, we are. You know, and, and that's one of the very cool things about social media is it does allow us to have our feet planted in one place, but our influence is actually worldwide. And you were mentioning to me as we were chatting before we started the program that your magazine is actually based out of Germany. So it, that actually caught my attention. So let's just talk about it first. Tell us a little bit about the magazine and, and uh, uh, how you came to be involved with it. Well, Trend Privé actually launched in 2012, and we hooked up on Facebook. Uh, the editor, her name is Catalina McGee. She saw one of my editorials that I had done and asked me if I had any other editorials that I wanted to publish in her magazine. And I was on my way to do an editorial in Paris for a collection that I had and I told her that I would give her my Paris editorial and when she saw the Paris editorial she put it on their very first cover nice that it was it was actually very nice it was one of the ways that when I launched Blanche Designs I wanted to make it a global brand and I realized that I didn't have the amount of money that it would take to make advertising in multiple magazines so I knew I had to create incredible editorials that magazines would want to pick up and I would piggyback off of that to secure me real estate in boutiques around the world and that's nice and that's exactly what I did so mm -hmm. the Paris editorial really put me on the map in terms of Blanche Designs and then everything sort of steamrolled after that in terms of me thinking outside the box and I maintained a friendship with them for about three years. And last year, she asked me to come on board as a senior editor of the magazine. Well, and, you know, to, to bring social media back into this, you say you met her on Facebook. I did. Um, I, I actually 
One of the most amazing stories uh, that a lot of people don't know, and I don't mind sharing this, is how I got the Emmys, was a year prior to that, I posted an ad on Craigslist in Los Angeles under events and said that anyone who was walking the red carpet at the Emmys would get a custom design dress by me. Wow. And the producers of the Emmys saw that ad and I can't name names. I'm under disclosure. Right, right. And we're not going to ask you to name drop. Yeah. Um, they asked me to, uh, design a few dresses for some people in the, uh, production of the Emmys. And oh, okay. by doing that, I was able to attend the Emmys. Ah. So the first year I was able to, I did the dresses. I did three custom dresses. Mm-hmm. And I was able to bring two models with me wearing my designs. Mm-hmm. And I was able to attend for three years. Wow. I know. It, they, they've been very, very good to me. They recommended me for quite a few jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was very important that I think that your audience would really like to know about this was one of the things that caught their attention was they started reading my social media, which was my Blanche Designs Facebook page. Okay. Five months before they contacted me, mm-hmm. they wanted to see what kind of a person I was. Right. Well, and and so they wanted to see that you were a you know you, you were an an actual person. I mean, you know, they probably get approached by a lot of of um, wannabes is maybe one of the, the the easiest way to put that. But you were you were a real physical person, and someone that they would uh, want to do business with. Well, and it was more important to them also that I was somebody who was not going to talk. Right. So they wanted to see what types of posts I actually did. Mm-hmm. And when I, how I do my social media in terms of launching designs, the books, and the movies, is I keep separate pages for all of those. So if I'm doing something with the film festival circuit, then they know that they can they can only they go to one page where they can see everything. They can see the films, they can see the awards, they can see um, what I'm doing coming up next, and so mm-hmm. it keeps everything very nice and clean. Right. And then I have my own private Facebook page where I can pretty much post whatever I want, but I go with the philosophy that if I'm posting something, I need to know a million people are looking at it. Right. You know, and, and, and a million people could be looking at it. And I think that's what so many people forget when they're posting, um, especially because they're thinking they're on their personal page. And we're not saying you can't post. I mean, you know, you can, you obviously, everybody has the freedom to post whatever they want, but you have to keep in mind who could be seeing it. And, and it doesn't matter if it is somebody who is at the level of the Emmys or the Grammys or the little, you know, one-stop bookshop around the corner you always have to keep in mind that they could be seeing your social media posts. You know, and also too, um, it's, it's with, it's like that with every business. I I don't know. I mean, I know friends that that are in the legal field that they, they uh, purposely get into people's Facebook pages and look what kind of a person you are before they hire you. So um, employers are doing all of that. I don't Mm -hmm. think this is anything new, but I see the same mistakes over and over and over again with my clients. And when I come in and take over and do brand development for them or I'm doing PR for them, the first thing I'm going to do is clean up all their social media. I'm going to be deleting stuff. I'm going to be getting rid of photos. I'm going to be getting rid of um, how they're set up. I'm going to make them start having boundaries. I'm going to have Mm -hmm. um, things set up in a certain way. There's going to be posts. are going to have to look a certain way. They need to be very uniformed. Um, I like posts. My favorite thing about social media and my favorite pages to go on is when I'm going on a journey with somebody. Ah. So if I'm on a journey with somebody and I'm learning about what they're doing or I'm networking with them or I'm seeing Mm -hmm. how their process is, I'm getting an education from them. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting a peek inside their world and maybe it's helping elevate myself as well. Right. Right. And so I always tell people, I mean, I think those are the best pages. I, mm-hmm. I, I find them fascinating. There are certain people that I follow, especially in the fashion industry, the professionals mm-hmm. that are shooting the covers for Elle and Vogue and that type. Because I want to see, I want to see the process. I want to see, and I talk to them. I'm right. able, I have a very rare 
ability to be able to talk to these people and learn their processes. So I get to learn all the mistakes and the pitfalls that you make along the way, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. Well, and, you know, you work with people who have a a public persona sometimes might be the the easiest way to say it that matches what they're doing. So maybe, maybe it is a fashion designer and they're a little edgier and, you know, and, and so it's okay if their social media matches that persona, but there are lines, you know, there, and, and, you know, it's, it is kind of one of those things, you know, we've seen it happen with sports figures or, or celebrities where they do cross the line and they post about something that maybe they shouldn't have posted. And it was funny. I heard someone on the radio the other day, they said, you know, I just want that person to play basketball. I don't care what they do in their private life. And, you know, but, but at the same point, sometimes we do want to know a little bit about now, of course, you know, we're, we're not talking Kim Kardashian who tells us every single thing she does every minute of the day. You know, it is kind of fascinating sometimes. And, and sometimes if they're doing something that maybe, you know, maybe they had a fender bender and you're like, wow, they're like real people. (laughs) And so it it must be fun to, to be working with people who, um, who are like that. Well, and one of the things that I always tell is you can be real and be authentic, but you don't have to be disclosing everything. Right. And really, um, one of the things that I, I, in terms of my, when I deal with my clients and also when I deal with the magazine, when you go to our magazine's website, and this is one of the things that I think a lot of people make a mistake, is that the magazine usually promotes the editor. So the editor is the person that everybody's looking at. Oh. That's a big mistake because the magazine is not the editor. So uh, I always say follow the Vogue pattern. Okay. You know, follow the Vogue pattern. The editor of Vogue is Anna Winter. Everybody knows who she is. She has no social media. She has um, very little ever written about her. She does very little interviews. Right. right. The magazine is what she wants you to focus on. So mm-hmm. it's the work that she is promoting. So when she's gone... Vogue is still going to continue. Right. A lot of times people use social media trying to develop themselves, hoping that it's going to sell their product. And if people, to generate revenue out of a product when you're promoting yourself is very, very difficult to do. You need to promote the product. The product needs to be bigger than you. It can't be about you. Right. Right. So, that's one of the things that I think a lot of magazines or brands, if they're Unless, you're, unless you are the brand, if you are the brand, if the person's the brand, then you really got to plan your strategy very well in terms of getting your followers and people that have a reason to follow you. What is it that makes you so unique over everybody else that makes them want to follow you? And if you have something for them to purchase, like a book, a manuscript, or come and see you at a conference, make them want to come. That's that's a big leap from following you to actually paying to see you. Right. Two different things. And um, that's a fine line that I think a lot of people have, have been trying to figure out and navigate. And I'm not quite sure that social media has been able to help people the way that they thought it was going to help them. Your message is out there, but everybody's message is out there. Mm-hmm. It's all free. Well, and I think it does get very tricky when you are your product because it, we market products differently, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, a tub of butter or a speaker or a celebrity, you know, it, a product is marketed in a different way than just telling people, hey, you know, here's what I had for dinner last night. And I think that's where it is difficult for whether it's an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or, you know, someone who is, you know, is their product. They're, they're having to figure out what, how do I tell people what I do? And that is the nice thing about being able to split and have, you know, either multiple Twitter accounts or, you know, you've got your, your, your professional page and your personal page on Facebook, all of those things. But it is, it gets a little bit tricky. Well, and also, too, I think a lot of people don't understand growing your social media organically takes years. Right. Years. And it's not something that happens overnight unless you're a celebrity. I mean, I, I have clients that really um, put themselves in a bind. Um, I won't name the client, but thought that they would be able to do a Kickstarter campaign 
to raise a lot of money to uh, put on what they needed to put on. Mm-hmm. And one of the mistakes that they made is those kinds of things only work with your network. Right. Unless you have a lot of money to put behind it where you can hire a company to come out and try to promote you outside of it. So I always say you need to figure out whether or not you're local, national, or international. If you're local, then everything needs to be targeted locally. If you're national, then, you know, you utilize social media, you utilize uh, maybe a national campaign of some sort. But again, those, if you have no money and you only have social media to rely upon, you need to plan that it's going to take a long time unless you have a celebrity attached to it. And even then, they're starting to find out now celebrities are not selling. So um, it's getting tricky. I think social media is very um, time-consuming, but it is also very vast in terms of your attention is in so many different directions and it's hard to focus. This is why I still believe in print because print causes you to turn a page, stop, take a look at it, absorb it, and decide Mm -hmm. whether or not you want to continue on. And that's probably the only thing right now that's keeping people to focus on something more than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Social media doesn't do that unless it's a video. Right. Well, and when you've got something, say, like a magazine, you have that physical thing that you can then look back at. So, you know, maybe it is a fashion magazine. And, you know, when you look at it initially, you're thinking, oh, well, that was nice. But a month later, you think, oh, I remember I read a story about or saw an ad for and, uh, you know, of course you can do the same thing with social media, but it's really hard to go back and find those posts yes. where you've got that physical, that tangible product. It is much easier. And of course, then you could have done things like torn the page out or put a sticky note or, you know, all those various things. <laughs> True. Yeah, but, uh, you know, one of the things, and, I, and I, I stick with talking about fashion, but I can talk about, you know, doing brand stuff, but Um, The luxury brands are down about 30% in the market. Jewelry is down by almost 50%. So if you know the trends, but one of the things that's very unique about Chanel, and I'll use them as an example, is that what Carl Lagerfeld does with Chanel is he's got about, he's got hundreds of people that work with him, but he tends to take kids out of school to help Mm -hmm. him market his campaigns. They do his photography. He works with street artists on graffiti. He works with uh, people that are in the colleges on his YouTube channels. And he finds the young and hip actresses to wear his clothes. So what he's done is he's told this younger generation, where the luxury brands have not been able to reach, that it's really cool to wear Chanel. Right. And so they're willing to spend three, four, five hundred $500 on a jacket, a shirt, mm-hmm. a scarf. Just because it's Chanel. Right. And that's... It might take them several months to save up for it, but they've they've got that goal in mind. Mm -hmm. But he has been very... It's been been years that he's cultivated this. The other luxury brands have not been able to do this because the millennials are basically, what I say, dying off in terms of Mm -hmm. wanting to buy, you know, $5,000, $10,000 ball gowns. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the... The designers are having a really hard time. I'm not sure what designers are really doing phenomenally well because I know Amazon is putting a lot of stores out of business. But even though even though Amazon's putting stores out of business, people still want to go into the boutiques. So I think right. it's pretty much the small boutiques, the larger stores like Macy's and those, those are the ones that are having difficulty. And I think it's because people want stuff that's unique. Right. Right. Well, and especially for a special event and whether it is something like the Emmys or, you know, maybe you've just got a a cool cocktail party that you're going to in your neighborhood. You don't want to run the risk that somebody else has the same outfit. Well, and one of the things that we're getting ready to do with with our with Trend Privé is that we're going to be going Facebook Live on the Emmys. We were asked by an actress to dress her for the Emmys. Now, our magazine, of course, is not dressing her, but what we've done is we've reached out to people that are in our magazine group, you know, right. brands that we've publicized, things like that, to see who would want to supply her. Right, so you've made a, a team. Yeah, so the brands are going to be able to go on a journey 
with this actress through the Emmys. Cool. So they're going to be able to, each brand, there's probably seven or eight brands that are designed with it, are going to be able to use their, I don't know, Snapchat, her, her Snapchat, Periscope, or whatever she's going to do that night. But I think she's going to do Facebook Live. They're going to be able to use it, and she's going to get multiple brands publicizing what she's doing. And at the same time, the brands get to show themselves on the red carpet. It's very, very difficult to get on the red carpet. Right. So it's a win-win for everybody around. Now, whether or not that's going to generate sales, that's up to the people that actually watch it, whether or not they think it's cool enough what they see right? to purchase it. But it's a shot. And I always say, you know, if you get a chance, take the shot. Right. You know, and, and I think that's probably, you know, one of the biggest lessons from, from talking with you is, is even just how you got started. You put the ask out there, yeah. you know, and, and, and at the worst, it was going to be ignored. I mean, you know, but at the, the best you got at the Emmys. And, and I think that's where so many people think, oh, my product or my service isn't quite ready or, you know, all of these various things, or, or I can't ask that person to, you know, and, and. If you don't ask, you're never going to know. Yeah. You know, and nobody's ever ready. Trust me, you're right. never ready. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, um, timing is everything, but unfortunately, very few people meet the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I always say that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing when it happens, when you meet the moment, but most people clumsily fall into it and have to right. burn their way through. And sometimes those are the best moments. Uh-huh. But I have, I mean, there have been some moments where it's been pretty, I mean, when I, I would have to say the moment for me uh, was going to Paris Fashion Week with the magazine and being able to meet the actual designers themselves and see the, the fashion shows up front. I mean, that was the moment that I met my moment. Right. And it's, it's very bittersweet because you realize that you may never get there. Uh-huh. Um, you're seeing people that are way more talented than you. They have a different set of skills. They've come from a different background and you see where all that sort of kind of plays in. Um, it's, it's very, it's, it's bittersweet, but it's, it's a great moment. And I learned even from these designers, I, cause I interview them for the magazine and I'm always asking them about social media and celebrities. And even that tide is now turning for a lot of these designers and, what everyone's realizing for the Paris designers in, in particular, and for most design brands now, they're going straight from the runway the very next day they're in the stores. Right. They're no longer, it's no longer six months. Well, they, they have to because, yeah. you know, that celebrity posted a picture on yeah. her Instagram account and it went viral or whatever. And, and people, you know, they're not going to wait six months to buy that jewelry, that, that article of clothing, because lots of other things happen in those six months. And so if you're not ready right then to seize that moment, you've lost it. Yes, and it's very difficult, too. I, mean, I, I have friends that have really worked their whole entire lives and did, you know, did everything by the book. And when their moment came, the trends had passed. Oh. And they lost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking when you get into fashion, you know, and at the same time, I've seen some great success stories when I, I see some of these, some of my friends that are Paris designers and the very next day, their couture lines are actually in the store. So it's a hit and a miss. I don't know what, I'm not sure there really is a right formula because it really is a hit and a miss. You are at the peril of your audience. Right. Well, and then there's other things that can be happening. Um, you know, we've all seen things where, you know, world events were superseding what was going on. Um, many years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society, and I was uh, this was this was before social media, um, and we had an event that we were doing, and one of the local television stations had been fabulous with their. Uh, pre-event promotion. You know, we'd had a story on every day. We had, um, you know, they, they had some of their anchors who were doing the event. I mean, we had all sorts of good stuff. And the day of the event, the Gulf War broke out. And so we got no coverage. And I remember my executive director just yelling at me 
because you know there was no coverage and i said we can't compete (laughs) and and you know and and now they made it up to us they did you know they did stories but but yeah there's always something that might take the place of what you're doing and and no matter how wonderful it is something else could happen yeah you know know, and and we've seen businesses that have been launching and something happens or you know all these various things and and I think that's where just having a plan B maybe yeah. is, is kind of the best thing. Most people don't have a plan B. You know, they're so right. busy focusing on plan A that when plan B right. has to come around, you're, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been there. I mean, I don't know of anyone who's been in business that hasn't been there where you've had to dig up a plan B because yeah. plan A just, you just didn't think. Mm-hmm. And, and also too, and I always, you know, one of the things that I've found that's been really interesting for me is as I've gotten older is not to plan everything. Mm-hmm. I plan to be surprised. Right. And that has been really liberating, not having to be 100% in control of everything, mm-hmm. but having control over some and then just saying, you know what, maybe I'm meant to go in this direction. Let's see what's over here. Right. And um, I think a lot of people get really nervous about stuff like that because it's the unknown. But some, yeah, you know, the abyss is not so bad. Sometimes you can swim out of it. So you can always stop. Mm-hmm. You can always change direction. You don't, nothing's ever permanent anymore. Right. Right. You know, and, and I think it is important to have plans in place. Um, and I'm a type A person, you know, I'm, I pretty much like to be in control of what's going on, but I also recognize that something else might happen. Now, maybe that means I'm planning for something else to happen. So I'm still kind of being in control, but you know, it, it is, you know, it, it very rarely does something go 100% of the way it's supposed to go. And and I don't care if that's, you know, a, a new product launch or, you know, a television broadcast or, you know, a, a wedding, anything. I mean, there there are always things that happen. Well, you know, that was one of the things when I launched, when I decided to launch for Trend Privé, the, our web series called In the Know, I wanted to give people the process because... Sometimes the process is so long that nobody ever sees it. Don't right. realize that there could have been three years in the making to get to the point from where they started to where they actually mm-hmm. launched it. And there's lots of mistakes along the way. Um, and I'm, I'm much more interested in the process for people because I think that's a lot more interesting than the actual launch. Right. I do like... You know, one of my favorite things to do is for somebody to bring a product to me and I look at the product and I say to myself, okay, how am I going to make this product interesting? To me, social media and advertising is like a puzzle. So uh-huh. if you look at it as a puzzle, I mean, and you have to like it. If you don't like it, it's not going to be a great thing for you to do. Right. But I try to say to myself, as, as a consumer, what would make this product interesting to me? Why would I want to purchase this product? Is there a journey? Am I the target audience? You know, there's lots of things that you have to look at, but I always come back to the same thing. Every product that I've launched, I take it on a journey with my clients, mm-hmm. with the public. I let them know the failures. I let them know the successes. I let them know the mistakes that were made so that people, and it's hard. No one's going to, you know, no one wants to be invested in laundry detergent. Nobody cares, you know, so, so there's certain products that that's just not going to work. It's going to become, you know, whether or not that product is affordable and can get the job done. That's it. End of story. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, and the market. So if you're competing against 18 different laundry detergents, it's by name recognition. that's going to catch their attention in splashy covers. So, um, but an actual, for example, a gentleman created uh, a weight loss supplement that he wanted to launch huge market oversaturated, um, and you're competing against weight loss centers. So what I said to him was, so we go for a small percentage at first, and let's see how it works. You don't need to make a million dollars, but hey, it'd be nice if you made $15,000. So what we do is we take a product, and we took six people on the journey with a product over a four-month period, Mm -hmm. and we videotaped them. And so three times a week, they would give the process. You know, did they, how did they feel? What was their energy level like? Um, did they feel the, the side effects of the drug? You know, what were some of the side effects? And it really ended up becoming very educational. Right. For- and it was a story. People like stories. They like stories. They want to see real people um, knowing what real people are actually doing and experiencing. Um, 
And some, some products work for some people and some products don't work for some people. You're going to have success only 90% of the time. It's right. always going to be a percentage where there's no success. Yeah. And he was willing to document that, the non-successes as well. Cool. And so his business has grown big time in his, in his community, which is what he wanted. He wanted it to be a community base where he can get to know the people that are using it and um, stay in contact with them. If he wants to take it national or if he wants to take it international, that's a, that's a completely different market. But this way, he still has a control of it. It's a nice slice of pie. He's very happy. He gets to meet a lot of people, and we're going to branch out on a few more things. But, you know, it's, it's having a plan and knowing how to execute it and being realistic about where you want to go with it. But social media is an important tool with all this. Right. Well, and I want to talk again about something that we've kind of touched on, and that's the numbers of social media. You know, it's it's one thing to have 500, 1,000, 10,000, a million followers, but if they wouldn't either spend money with you or tell their friends to spend money with you, then the numbers are totally useless. And I think so many people get caught up in the, oh my gosh, I have a 1,000 people who are following me that they forget, okay, would those thousand people actually do something for you? Yeah. Well, and all, and all of that, but PR, one of the things that you can now buy likes, you can now buy right. um, people. So a lot of people are very skeptical on social media. Mm -hmm. There are certain things, like we have internal tools at our magazine. So let's say we post an article in our magazine on our website. Um, we can tell by internal tools how many times it's been shared, uh, who's talking about it, right. whether it's trending. Um, all you know, websites are, are geared towards that, but it may not show a ton of likes on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. But it may have been shared 122,000 times on right. Twitter, uh -huh. or it may have. We know we know daily how many people visit, and I say that you know you have there's spiders out there that are constantly scrolling the website so it can it inflate your numbers. But we look at what we call unique visitors on our website, which are our new visitors. And we know exactly what they're going to, what's trending on our website, what do we not want to do interviews of ever again. Um, mm -hmm. We get feedback. Uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very important tool to be able to figure out how to stay current. One of the things that I think is unique about our magazine is we are a fashion magazine, but we're an eco-fashion magazine, which means we don't promote cruelty of any kind. There's no fur, no leather, animal products. But we also are able, uh, we have a humanitarian site, so we donate 80% of our profits to charities. Nice. So every magazine that's printed has an amount that we donate to charity. We pick the mm -hmm. charity that's associated with that magazine and we have our themes. And so we can see what people are interested in and what they're not interested in. And we pay attention to all that. So we, at the end of the year, we look and see what were our big sellers, what were our big losers, um, what do we need to do better with. We work with the distribution houses to find out what magazines were not popular, which ones were. Um, and then we do focus groups. Like, did they like our cover? What was our, what was not a great cover? Um, Getting feedback is very important, and I say that every brand does these silent focus groups as well. They learn packaging. They learn taste tests. They do mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. I, I think where people have gotten very confused in social media is they thought that they can launch a brand with no money. Right. And because they do this, well, Facebook is free. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that's really what's, I think, I think that's what's really been the shock for a lot of people is that um, it didn't work the way that they thought right. it was going to work. Um, well, and, and every business, you know, and, and I don't care what it is, should be looking at the analytics. And, you know, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I'm one of those people. I don't like analytics. I don't like numbers. But I have to know, you know, is, is somebody going to my blog post from Facebook or did they go from Twitter? You know, did they just find it on Google? And, and the tools, there really are free tools. I mean, Google Analytics is free and, and they're going to be, you know, the, the, one of the best providers. But you have to know that. You have to know how long did they stay on your website? You know, a good example is the magazine. Were they on that page long enough to have actually read the story? You know, and, and, or did they just pop off and, you know, same thing. Did somebody look at, at 
a business, you know, say it's my business? Did they look at my homepage long enough to have read it or did they just get there and go immediately? And, and where did they go to? Did they leave the site or did they know, oh, well, I, I came uh, to Deb's site because I needed to go here. And so they just immediately popped to that page. You know, we can't be successful if we don't know those numbers. And, you know, one of the things, um, and I will piggyback off of that to show that there's something else that you also need to know as well. In terms of my company, Your Own Girl Friday, I get to see my analytics. I can care less how, how long people are on my page. Um, and for, the, for this specific reason is that if you are hiring somebody to do PR and brand development, the only thing that you need to be looking at is what they're doing for their clients. Right. So um, following... I always say that you know, when I'm looking for PR and brand development, because I've actually taken care of a couple people that are in Hollywood and I do their PR and put them on red carpets and stuff like that. And they've shown me other PR people that they use. And when I go to these other PR people's website, I can't see anything. They right. don't show anything at all. So I mm -hmm. dismiss that website altogether. Mm -hmm. So what I've done, and I think most reputable PR people do this is they not only list their clients, the ones they can list. Some people don't. Want right. To Sometimes you can't list your clients. Some people don't want to be listed, but the ones you can, you can. But I have, I piggyback my Facebook page, my business Facebook page on Your Own Girl Friday, and I keep that updated daily. And it could be what I'm doing for myself. It could be what I'm doing for my clients. Um, it could be stuff that I've produced so that people can actually see the work. Right. And know that, oh, my God, if she's doing this for these people, then she can do this for, for, for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that people start holding people accountable for doing what they say they can do. Mm -hmm. I always, when I get approached to do projects with people, um, I will go first look at their websites. I first and I go look at their Facebook pages. And if I don't see any work on there, then I'm not working with you. Right. You want to know that they are currently working, you know, and, and I think that's one of the tricky things is people think, well, I'm so busy, I shouldn't be posting. Well, then it looks like you're not working. Well, and you know what? And I'm, and I'm all for that too. You know I mean? I, I'm all for, you don't have to post every single day, but I should be able right. to see something. If you've yes. got a book, where is it? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what did you write? I mean, where's it published? Right. Um, if you've got a movie, you know, is it in the film festival circuit? Um, you know, because one of the things when I did my films, um, I produced three, two, I mean, two documentaries and just finished the third one. None of that can be out in the media for a year after right. the film festivals are finished because in order to be accepted in the film festivals, they can't see it anywhere. Right. But I can sure post behind the scenes photos of us. Oh, oh sure. I can sure post who the cast is. I can sure. You know, there's stuff that you can do that you don't have to. So when someone tells me, oh, I'm at, um, you know, I'm at the Emmys and I see a picture of a wall and their face. I don't know they're at the Emmys. No. Take a picture of the audience. Take a picture of the stage. Show me something. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, I've, I've learned now that social media, you really got to read between the lines and mm -hmm. see what people are saying to understand whether or not they can actually do what they say they can do for you. It's, it's especially PR and brand development because PR and brand development is not usually revenue generating for a while. Mm -hmm. So you have to have money backed up to be able to pay for that, for them to be able to develop your brand and to be able to get your PR out so that you can develop revenue down the road. Right. So you need to know that that person has the media contacts, the network contacts that you want. If you want television contacts, well, number one, you have to have something that television is going to want. Very difficult to get on television. Right. So that if a reputable PR person takes you on and doesn't have those conversations with you, then they're not a reputable PR person. Because mm -hmm. PR is only as good as their clients and PR, a PR person will know that. Right. Well, and it really doesn't matter what the industry is. You know, if, if, if you're a nonprofit and you're wanting to work with somebody who has no nonprofit experience, well, you know, that could be a red flag, you know, or you know, all these various things. You need to see that they know what they're talking about. Yes. And it's, 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 it can be specialized. You can give people a chance. 
you know, some, one of the things that I say is I, there's lots of stuff I didn't know how to do when I first started. And I was lucky that people gave me a chance because they knew I was a hard worker. They right. knew that I can get things done. Um, I mean, I have a list of people that if I want to do a film, I can pick up a telephone and call them and they're going to be on board. I've got camera people, crew people. I wanted to do the series. I had hair and make, I mean, I had people already at my disposal because they already knew what I can do. So mm -hmm. they knew that I can take it someplace and go someplace with it. That's right. actually very important. Is it, you know, being famous on Facebook is like being rich in monopoly. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and it is about being truthful. You know, it, it's okay to say, I don't know how to do this, or I don't have a lot of experience doing that. As long as they know you're going to learn and you're going to put 100% into it, you can't say, I have experience doing that if you, if you don't have experience because you will be found out. And very quickly, you know, because you want to always take on clients that are, going to, that are going to elevate you. So you always want to step into some form of an uncomfortable zone for yourself. Right. But you need to be able to piggyback off of the experience that you already have. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think if that should be the golden rule. If you're going to use social media, if I have an article that I think that animal groups around the world are going to be interested in, I'm going to go find those animal groups on social media and I'm going to send them the article. Right. That's how you get the word out. So it's, 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 it's strategizing, um, building your numbers, but it's also building people that are going to be interested in the content that you have or the product that you have, or people that are going to be interested in you in general. Right. So I, you know, I am not, I don't look at social media as a popularity contest. I look at it as how much am I getting out of it? Mm -hmm. Where is it taking me? What are the experiences that I'm learning from it? Um, and I always get pleasantly surprised. I think, I think people get caught up, like you said, in the numbers and whether or not they're popular and having a thousand people. It, it just, it doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, you look at the celebrities who may have, you know, a million Instagram followers or, you know, Twitter, whatever, and they have a movie that comes out and it bombs. I mean, you know, it, that's, that is a, a good indicator that the numbers aren't there. Because if you had a million people who said, hey, this is the greatest thing in the world, and they told all their friends and they told all their friends, well, then the movie would have been a success. You know, it's, it's one thing to follow somebody. And again, doesn't matter if it's a celebrity or not, but are you willing then to support them? And whether it's money or passing on their information or doing whatever, and that's where building those relationships comes in. You know, you, you it's, it is a give and take, you know, if, if somebody's only asking me for money, then I don't care what they have, you know, it might be the greatest thing in the world that I really need, but if all they've done is ask me for money, I'm probably not going to buy it. Well, and I, that's one of the things I've never really understood. I'm not a, I've never really watched American Idol, but you have 122 million people tuning in and voting. But right. yet the winner puts an album out and it can only sell. And nobody buys it, right. That doesn't make any sense to me. And so I, if you've got that many people invested, why aren't they buying his, the person's music? So <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, not in, I'm not privileged to their numbers, so I don't know what it is. But I think people have gotten really smart on these kinds of things. And they realize that a lot of the stuff is really old-fashioned. I, mean, I have friends of mine that are in the music industry, which is an extremely difficult industry to make money in because everything's right. so free and you pay 99 cents on Apple for a song. So they, I mean, just to get management is 10,000 a month. How do these, how do these young artists going to be able to do it? You know, they, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of tricks. You make your money on tours, you make your money on t-shirts, merchandising, um, it's no longer just about the music anymore. Just right. I, I don't know what these kids are going to do because there's a lot of talented kids out there. <laughs> YouTube really, um, look, if you're going to, I always tell them, if you're going to start a YouTube page, charge for it. You can. You can <laughs> charge a subscription to be on your YouTube page. <laughs> so I don't care if it's a dollar, a year, something, but make it so that. Yeah, monetize it. Yeah, something. Monetize something to where people want to come onto your page. I mean, I have friends that are in, mag in the magazine business, and they've got eighteen to 20,000 subscribers on their YouTube page, but those people pay. They pay a huge mm -hmm. subscription to get, you know, mag um, 
makeup tutorials. They get it to get styling tips. They get it to get um, certain ways they want to look like the girls in the magazine. So they're paying for actual information. It's mm -hmm. very smart to do. A lot of people don't understand that. So if you have music and you're creating these music videos, it costs money to put those videos together. Charge for right. it. If it's just mm -hmm. 99 cents, charge. Mm -hmm. And if you, only, what? Yeah, if you only get two people, then you get two people. You made, you know, $2. But those two people might tell two other people. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and go back and think about it. You know, why did you only get two? Did you not publicize it enough? Did you publicize it incorrectly? You know, all these various things. I think that, you know, the thing that we tend to forget is we don't learn from our mistakes. We just go on to the next thing. And if we don't know why something didn't work, then how is the next thing going to be successful? Well, and I think a lot of people, you know, Facebook, marketing is marketing. And you can only market if somebody wants the product. Right. And I, that's why it's. Right now, everything is so oversaturated that it is hard to really, you're only going to get a small percentage of the pie. You're not going to get, you're not going to make a million dollars the first month unless you're on something like Shark Tank, which right. is, you know, again, very difficult to get. And, and, I'm, and I have my issues with the Shark Tank because my whole thought is if you've got a platform as big as the Shark Tank, I mean, and it's big, mm -hmm. why don't they have anything, a product on there that's changing the world? Right. Why is it only products that are, I don't know, ugly Christmas t-shirts? I mean, I, <laughs> that somebody doesn't need that's going to make $15 million instead of somebody actually coming on that's something that's going to change the world that they can put their investments behind and make an actual difference, but also pay these people that are making life-changing products. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, television is a very powerful medium and you've got millions of people tuning into it, literally tuning into it, watching it. Even if you get on Amazon Prime, all this kind of stuff, right. they're now trying to put commercials on this. So you have an audience of people that are focused and looking at you. Why not use it for something great? You mm -hmm. can have a product. I, you know, you can have your own Christmas sweaters, but every time I've been on Shark Tank, it looks like it's just, I don't know. Boards, exercise stuff—nothing um, really unique. Well, and you know, I've I've only watched it maybe once or twice, and so I'm I'm in the same boat. It seems to me, and I I understand they want to make money. The sharks want to make money, yeah. and the feel good stuff doesn't always and usually doesn't make money. So yeah. you know, they're not going to go with it, but. You know, there can be a combination. You know, maybe you've got the, the ugly sweatshirt, but every time somebody buys the ugly sweatshirt, a donation is made to save a turtle. Or, I mean, you know, there, there are ways to combine all of this that so many people are forgetting. That's called cause marketing, and it's actually Target started that years ago. When, right. And it was, it's actually brilliant. And I, I always tell everybody, if you're a product in this day and age and you're not giving back, you're not making it because everybody's <laughs> looking for that. That is so key now to people feeling so great about buying Tide, but yet giving back to the environment, you know, right. ironic because Tide's polluting the environment, but okay. You know I mean? You're, um, you know, you're trying, but I'm just saying mm -hmm. you are, everybody should be looking at a way to give part of the profits back. I mean, you see it all across the board with so many things. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that Mark Zuckerberger this this week was just in Rome meeting with the Pope, and they're going to try to figure out how to make Facebook help poverty. Right. Now, how that's going to work, I don't know, but I'm mm -hmm. curious to see what they come up with. What a great idea. Mm -hmm. The guy has more money than he needs, ever is going to spend in his lifetime. Right. Why not? And they already do. You know, him and his wife already do. I'm, I'm not saying that they don't do, but I'm just saying how great he's going to use this for something that's really amazing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I applaud that. So I, I will, I will always have a good thought about Facebook because they're doing something that's helping the environment or, or the world. Right. Well, and, and we even look at that at an individual level. Um, I do training for people in the job market mm -hmm. and one of the statistics shows that, you know, potential employers or recruiters are looking at someone's social media presence to see if they're, you know, they, they love seeing volunteer activities and, and philanthropic efforts and, and things like that, you know, it may have absolutely nothing to do with the business or with the job that they're applying for, but they want to see that you're committed to your community, to the, to the world, to, you know, whatever it is. 
and you know, and, and I tell people again, though, you have to be real. You know, you can't say, hey, I built 400 houses for Habitat for Humanity. Hey, no. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but, you know, if you say, I, I spent a Saturday doing it, that looks pretty cool. Well, and also, too, I mean, they started that with the college kids years ago. It was right. no longer that you could be just a really academically smart kid. What was it that you were doing to change your environment, your world around you? How... Are you going to be a good steward to this planet? Um, I, I think so many things have changed now for, for so many people. Um, that's why I, I'm not sure social media has caught up to that. I, I haven't seen it catch up to that just yet. I think people have sort of, I even see now with some of the, my friends that have kids that they now have no phones or, or, or anything starting after five o'clock at night. Right. So they have, dinner time, they have communication time. You know, one of the things that I think that people, I say use social media like you communicate because you need to learn how to do networking and communication skills and writing skills. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think that has hurt the, the younger generation is they've learned to abbreviate. They've learned right. not to do grammar. Uh, they've learned uh, not to have, to look somebody in the eyes, shake somebody's hand. They don't know... I've put several young interns in situations where they've been at galas with celebrities and they couldn't even move from the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know what to do. Right. And it's, well, and I, and I can't teach that. I mean, I, no. I think it's, it's, you know, network networking and communication is a lost art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I had an employee one time when I was working in corporate America who was sending an email to the CEO of the company. Now, my mistake was not in saying I need to see this first, but um, she sent it and he called and he said, fire her. I mean, that, and I was like, oh, huh? <laughs> what the heck? Um, and she it, what she had done was she had written an email to the CEO of the, the company by using language like she would to her friends sending a text. And she had, you know, she, it was not her fault. That was just the way she thought she had to communicate with people. And, and so, no, I did not fire her. We worked on her communication skills, but that is the problem. You know, we're getting so caught up in it or, you know, we, we text somebody when we should call them or go see them, you know, all of these things. But, you know, I, I love the people who post on Facebook that they're taking, taking a break from technology for a while. I always think, ah, how can you do that? But we really should do it. You know, and you should, but, uh, you know, like I say, use, and I have a friend of mine that just now, after all these years of being out of the workforce, has a master's degree in, in uh, journalism and marketing. I mean, she ran, I don't know, 15, 27, 11s, can't get a job right now because she's so far behind in the, in the eight ball in terms right. of what, what's out there. So one of the things that I'm teaching her how to do is all the social medias because she needs to know how to do that. If you're in marketing, mm-hmm. you need to know how. And so I say, write your post like you're communicating, right. but write it correctly. I mean, yes. everyone's going to make mistakes. I mean, I do. And I, you can go back and edit. That's the beautiful thing about it is all you can always go back and edit. So, you know, write, don't abbreviate. I, I've never used those, what do you call the emotions or whatever the people Oh, yeah. The emoticons. I've never done that. And everybody who knows when they text me, if they abbreviate and they don't spell out what it is that they're that I, they need from me, I don't respond. Ah. So I'm training, you know, I'm sort of training people, same with the kids in the magazines. I mean, I have to edit probably, since I'm a senior editor, I edit probably six or seven articles a week. And a lot of these kids just can't write. Right. And, and they're not being taught it in school, you know, and, and I mean, we could go off on a tirade on that. And it's not even interesting. I mean, it's like they're not even writing, but they're not even writing anything interesting. I mean, it's, there's right. no, they don't catch you in the first paragraph. They don't, there's nothing. And I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm just not, I'm not feeling this article. So I've learned to send it back. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to tell them you need to edit it before you edit it to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, it, you, you have, I work with people to a point and then after that, if they're too much work for me, I can't work with you anymore, mm-hmm. but you need to have, I mean, I even have somebody that's a master's degree in English. My parents actually, um, they're both attorneys, so they do nothing but write. They edit everything I write before uh-huh. I ever even send it to the magazine. 
Right. So, you know, I, even they're editing my work as an editor. Mm-hmm. So it's always important to have a second pair of eyes, but learning the, the fine art of communication and writing is very, very important. Very, very important. And social media could be a great lesson for people if they used it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's one of the things that I tell the people in my seminars for, for job seekers is, you know, if you can't use proper grammar, proper punctuation, spelling, things like that in your social media posts, they're going to think that that's a reflection of how you're going to do your work. You know, that, that you, you can do it kind of halfway and it's all right. And, you know, and mistakes are, are acceptable. And, and I tell them, you know, yes, go back and edit your post, fix it, delete it. If it's, you know, if it's really bad and start over and they all look at me like, well, but, 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 and I tell them, you know, it, it matters. You know, I'm not going to deal with someone who isn't, you know, isn't at least familiar with the English language as, as a potential employee. Well, and here's what you can always say to people is that if you don't have time to make a good impression, then you don't have time for anything. Right. So, I mean, I, everybody has time. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing we all have in common is we all have the same amount of time, same amount of hours every day. Yes. It's just a matter of what the priority yeah, is that we put on priority it. is. And so as an employer, if I'm looking at you and you're spending as much time as you are on social media... And it doesn't look good. I got a problem with that because that's that that's a direct reflection of how you're going to do a job for me. Right. So, um, and one of the things I always talk to people when when I talk to people, one of the things that uh, magazine editor once told me was people work as fast as they talk. So yeah. if you're talking to somebody and they're talking super super fast and you can't understand a single word they're saying, that means they're going to be extremely rushed all the time, and you may get a great great product from them you may not get a great product from it it could be a hit and a miss so my suggestion would be that you know pay attention to how fast somebody's talking but how accurately they're talking what are you learning from them they're talking in circles you're not going to get a whole lot there's lots of things lots of tricks that i go to because our magazine now does videos and it's very important to me that whoever's in our videos makes a good impression Right. Our magazine, because like photographs, that's forever. Unless you mm-hmm. take it down. Mm-hmm. Once it's shared, it's forever. Right. So I, I have to make sure that not only can you talk, you can interview, you can communicate, you can make a good presence in front of the camera. It's getting very, very difficult for people now. Because <laughs> I think that uh, you used to be able to hide behind an email, but now you can no longer do that. Right. You know, and, and, you know, business people are saying, you know, all these home offices, and yes, I have a home office, they'll say, hey, let's Skype. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, and, and yeah, you know, they, they want to see the real person. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's true. Or you can see a, you, know, you can see a photograph. You know, I, I gotta tell you, I've been on Facebook since 2010, and I never met anyone that wasn't a real person or a product of anything that's come across my desk, a project or anything that wasn't legitimate. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm the luckiest person alive. <laughs> um, that very well could be, but, or if it's that I know I can just, I can just sort of see things. Um, right. You filtered them out to start with. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, it just, it's never happened to me. I hear horror stories all the time from friends of mine that have been in business that can't tell who's legitimate. They can't tell what's real. It's, it's too confusing to them. And I always say, if it's too confusing and it's smoke and mirrors, get away from it. Right. If, if you have any doubt at all, because yeah. if somebody else does it, you know, no longer is there anything that is unique. You know, we like to think we are, but there is somebody else who can do it. Well, you know, you can go this. So this is kind of funny in terms of what I tell people about smoke and mirrors. Let's say you're a woman, you're, you're dating a guy, and some women always ask these guys, are you dating, are you in a relationship with somebody else? And that should never be the question you ask somebody. The question should be, is there somebody else walking around this planet that thinks that they're in a one-on-one with you? Right. What is their thought? What is their thought? Because uh-huh. then that tells me that you're not a very good communicator if somebody else is walking around thinking that they're in a relationship with you, and they're not. Right. So I use social media as that is how are you communicating to me on social media? Are you so are you showing me something mm-hmm. or are you sort of making me have to wonder, guess, 
decide whether or not it's true. So is it a smoke and mirror or is it the real thing? Correct. That's how I, I guess that's how I do it. Perfect. Well, holy cow, we are at the top of the hour already, and this has been absolutely fascinating. So, yo, I'm obviously going to have to have you on again. But before we close out, Stacy, tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Well, uh, the best way to do it, I have two websites. I have my personal website, which is stacyblanchet.com. That tells all about the films, the books, um, everything that they would want to know, the magazines, everything is on that. That's sort of what I, I consider that to be my press kit. Mm-hmm. So it, it's completely always up to date. And, and I think that is the best place everyone could find out everything they want to know. If they want to know about the PR and the brand development, my website is your own girl Perfect. And that's where they can find out what I do with clients and what I'm doing for myself and, see how I do work. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Stacy, this has been fabulous. I've been having a great time talking with Stacy Blanchet. I am Deb Creer. And until next week, everyone have a great time. Thank you, Deb. Thanks for listening to Deb Creer, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.